For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon before I go to Mikha. I want to do the Parsha, um, which is Mikates, of course, which is being sponsored by Mishpacha Savansky. Very nice of them. Uh, they're now in, in Israel, I believe. And next week they have a yard uh, site coming up. So uh, I'm uh, I'm uh, grateful they stepped up to the plate because we don't have anybody this week. That's what happens sometimes during holidays. Uh, so let me jump jump right into it. So thanks again to Mishpacha Savansky. And now um, we're looking at Mikates, which is a, a, a fant- psychologically fantastic story, or maybe a fantastic psychological story, at least the way I read it, which is all I ever do, uh, based on what I said last time, which is, we know Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm sorry, excuse me, we know Yosef <laughs> was um, really messed over, um, hurt by what happened to him naturally. And you can see that, as I mentioned before, in the names of his kids, which are talking in Parshas Mikates. Um, one kid is, of course, um, Ephraim, he talks about the land of his pain, affliction. Notice he's still scarred. Naturally, it's impossible not to be. Uh, you know, um, so he's Oni. Uh, his own family was the cause of his misfortune. And remember, he didn't know more than the fact that they kidnapped him, tried to kill him, and threw him in a pit and all that. Somebody showed me the Ramban says they didn't know there were snakes in the pit. All right, maybe, you know, okay. But still, <laughs> when they pulled him out, they must have seen. But anyhow... Whatever the case is, and he was screaming from the pit, and they sat down to eat. The whole thing is very ugly. Now, um, and Bechlal, the whole, like, I mean, you know, I know there are those who try to justify what the brothers did in the Chazal. They said they made a Bezna, consider him a Rodev. But, you know, it's not really a Bezna. You can't be a Bezna on yourself. And uh, whatever. From the Yosei point of view, he's in agony. Bears on ye. Mental agony. Even though he's the viceroy of Egypt and married to the princess. And moreover, when he had the second son, Ephraim Menashe, Nashan Elohim is called Malibes Kobe You hear that? Now that I have two boys, this will make me forget my pain, my Omali, and my family. So even after Ephraim was born, he still has all that anguish and pain, which is there. So Yosef must have been a piece of work, I mean, to, to hand the, juggle all those balls to run Egypt and a wife and family and stay a Shomer Shabbos, as we say today, and, you know, handle his family background, you know, what they did to him and all the rest of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, now, in spite of that, he says that now that he has a wife and two children, it will make them forget all of his pain. And it'll make him forget what his family did to him. It's called Beisobi. Now, that's very interesting to me because he's not cured from it. It is what it is. But sometimes, if you're lucky, you can fill your life with other stuff and make you forget the bad. I'm sure it's true of a lot of people. Imagine somebody who was, as a youngster, bullied or a girl bullied in high school, something like that. And it's a painful episode. But then they go on in life, and, you know, they get out of school, and they go to you know, college, whatever, 
and they get a job, and let's say I'm just making this up. Let's say the guy becomes a doctor and, and gets married and has a career and all the rest of it. So it's still a painful episode for him to what he what happened to him in the ninth and tenth grade. But Nashani uh, But all the achievements later in life have made you forget that, push it into the past. So you didn't come to terms with it, but rather you put it in its proper perspective, which it was it was a bump on the road. It's a painful bump, and it could be for the rest of his life, that person, man or woman, whenever they revisit it, they revisit it in a painful way. And so when the others say, let's get together after 20 years for a reunion or 40 years, they don't want to go. <laughs> okay, So that means he's not over it. He just was able to, uh, like I say, you know, bury it in the sea of achievement. And that's a high madrega. I'm not making fun of that. It's the opposite. Anybody who's got all that painful stuff that happened to them, and leave Yodea Morris now show, you can't say to somebody else what happened then is not important. If he experiences it's important, or she experiences it as important, it is, mentally, psychologically, emotionally. Uh, so that was Yosef. Even though he rose to Viceroy, and now he's got a palace and a hundred servants, and Imamish runs the country, and Paro gave the whole malucha over to him, as we see in the Parsha today, right? Avreich, when you see Yosef, uh, um, what do you call it? You see Yosef, Avreich, get on your birkheim, get on your knees, and so on and so forth. So with all the coven and all the other stuff, it makes you forget the painful fact that you have no family, and your family was the cause of, cause of your misfortunes, which is so different than everybody else. And probably the midstream were talking behind his back, why not? That's what you do. You gossip about the rich and the famous. And he had what to to, to, be, to gossip about. You know, Gunov, Gunafti, Meretz, Ivri. You know, this is Yosef. Here in Egypt, we treat him fair. We made him a big shot. We recognized his talents and provided him with a job and opportunity appropriate to his talents. His own family tried to come to pieces. Uh, that's who the Jews are. You know, Gunov, Gunafti, Beis, Ivri. See, you know what I'm saying. And... Uh, the bottom line is that the pain is there, but you can, you know, suppress it successfully. Now, I'm not a shrink, and I don't claim to be another farthest thing from a shrink. But I'm sure walking around with that thing buried deep within you ain't healthy. You know, I don't know the physiology of it, and I don't claim to know, but it can't be that healthy. Even though everybody does that to some degree, but in Yosef's case, it's more than being bullied in 10th grade. I mean, his own family tried to kill him and sold him into slavery and, you know, all that stuff. And his father may have been part of it also, for all he knows. So it was really tough. And then we see in the Parsha so fantastically that the Rabbani Shalom himself undertakes a course of therapy, which is most unusual and reflective of a Hashkacha Pratis, because one of the main points of the Book of Bracious is the Hashkacha Pratis that God displays at least towards the chosen elite. I think many are familiar with the fact, it's surprising to some, that in the old days and Middle Ages, especially down to recent times, it was felt that Hashkacha Pratis is restricted to a very few people. Uh, that God guides everything that happens, as opposed to leaving things to happenstance, chance, nature, whatever it is, even though he created all that, uh, used to be that it was thought that that's like a waste of God's time. And only Yechidei Skula are, are zoka to that. Okay? 
only a chide skula. And Bracious is an example of that. The Rambam says these words in Mordevuchim. He says, you know, you see the family of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Yosef, and so forth, so they got Hashkacha uh, Pratis. The average person doesn't. Uh, as late as the Shomer Amunim in the 18th century, he advocates for that. Now, in the, the Hasidim came along with the Baal Shem Tov, and afterwards, and they say, in their opinion, that's ridiculous. Everything is Hashkacha Pratis. It's based, as I understand it, on an interesting image of God. If you say, Avina Malkin, if God's like a king, so think, for example, along the following lines. I mentioned in the uh, intro list the other day that I was looking for help with a passport for somebody I know, and some of you were kind enough to write in suggestions and so forth um, with, the, with the State Department, the American system, all the rest of it. So here's somebody in Israel who needs a passport for a baby. Would you say... I'm going to take this to President Biden. The answer is no. Why? It's beneath his time. The guy's running the world. He's uh, handling the economy and Putin and the Middle East and China. Who knows what? And the local domestic stuff. President of the United States is as a big plate. And he ain't got no time to solve some individual person's passport problem. He could. There's no question about it. And let's say, for example, that, you know, uh, you were a personal friend of President Biden. It doesn't matter who the president is. And you, because you're a personal friend, you say, listen, my uh, granddaughter, my daughter-in-law, my sister-in-law, whatever, needs a special help with the thing. He'll take care of it. Because one word from the president could handle all that. But that's very rare. It doesn't happen. You hear what I said? If he did it, it would be because he's doing Ashkacha Pratis for his friend, not for the for the beneficiary. So that's the idea of a melech. Amelch runs a malucha, but not all by himself, all the time, everything. The king has a lot of items on his plate. And it's beneath his covet, beneath his time, to actually go and, you know, deal with all kind of petty little things. He's got ministers and others to handle that. So that's the, the notion of Hashkacha Klawless and Hashkacha Pratis. There are only a few people, you know, care. So if I get a cold, uh, Biden's not calling me up. But if I was the Senate Majority Leader and I got a cold, Biden would call me up. Because I'm a, then a Senate Majority Leader or, you know, some Hushah politician. Then you're part of the uh, the, 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 the elite. And they are zochah to what we call Hashkachah You see, you transfer that idea to God in some sense. They say, the Shalom doesn't handle every little stupid person that comes down thing or every blade of grass. He leaves that to the rules he set up, the nature. When he wants to intervene, it's, you know, on special cases. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Yosef, that's special cases. You know, okay, that, that, that's how that works. Um, the Chassidim, and I don't think they're wrong, said, wait a minute, God is not really like a king. Hashem is beyond, beyond, beyond. So therefore, there's no such thing as something beneath his time and effort. It's not like he's focused on one thing and doesn't want to take away his focus to put on little things. I mean, Hashem is, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's no limits to what he can do and maintain, and he can juggle a zillion balls at the same time as garnished to him. And so, therefore, every blade of grass is Hashkacha Pratis. Every time a dog barks is Hashkacha Pratis. And certainly any time anything happens to a person. So if I stub my toe or, you know, uh, turn to my right as opposed to turning my left, it's all Hashkacha Pratis. That's the modern way of looking at it. Now, um, in the case of Yosef, though, you clearly have a Hashkacha Pratis of most unusual variety, by which I mean the following. Here's a guy that we said before, 
was in pain. He says in pain, not me. He says it's in pain. Barrett's on you. Now, Sean Elim is base of you, uh, is base of you. It's, it's like I say, he can, now, Shani, that now I have a wife and children, I can sort of forget about it to some degree. I can bury it in the past. I've got a life that's, that's after what the, the, the un, injustice that was done to me. But it doesn't mean that I've confronted it. Now, how does one confront somebody who bullied him or cheated him or beat him up or something like this? So you see in this week's parsha, the Rabbani Shalom turns the world upside down to make it happen. In other words, God provides the psychological therapy. Because by the time the, 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 the parsha is over, you know, he's gotten his revenge, if you want to use that word. Uh, and I'm talking about psychologically speaking. Suppose you have somebody who, uh, you know, molested or did something wrong to somebody else. I mean, the only possible therapy I can think of would be that the perpetrator would then, circumstances would so lead that the perpetrator... Uh, comes to the person he did and, you know, and, and abases himself and, and says what a terrible thing they did and recognizes the gravity of what they did and all the rest of it. doesn't make the past go away, but I'm sure it'd be highly therapeutic. Uh, it just doesn't happen much, right? It doesn't happen that sincerely and honestly the person who did something wrong to you comes later on uh, and totally, you know, confesses and and honestly and sincerely regrets what they did and recognizes the gravity of what they did to you and they offer to make it up and that sort of that that doesn't happen much well as we know the good lord manipulated the Gantzavelt to bring psychological relief to joseph because first he made him viceroy uh and then he brought the brothers down and they didn't recognize joseph as we all know the very famous story imagine if you will for a second Suppose the brothers had come to Egypt on some business trip, Stamazoy, when Yosef was still a prisoner in the jail, or some lowly individual. If he saw them, he would have run away from them. You get it? it would have no, in other words, if anything, it would it would bring out a pain. Imagine Yosef when he was still in Potiphar's house, and then the brothers show up. It would make a pain, you see? Uh, suppose they came when he was in the, a prisoner in Sarbesa Sohar. Hand, you know, um, handling the affairs of the of the jail, and he saw the brothers standing outside the jail as free men. It would bring a pain. You know, it would it, it would reopen the wounds, as they say today, flick open the scab. But that's not how God arranged it. The brothers don't go to Egypt until Joseph has been made top dog, viceroy of the Gansa country. Joseph, who I shall lead our arts, who I Majbrals call our arts. Joseph was the man. He was like a god giving out food during the middle of starvation. See, so the brothers don't come to Egypt until Joseph is all-powerful. All-powerful. And, he, you know, it doesn't get better than that, you know, from a psychological point of view, from the revenge point of view. Now, again, Yosef does not, in the end, actually take revenge on them as he could have done. But he does get revenge on them, so to speak. When we see Losikam Lositar... Which there wasn't it was, this is before Mountain Torah anyway, but let's see what it means. You know, don't do something bad to you because they did something to them. But I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing somebody into a situation in which you compel them by the circumstances to recognize and acknowledge the evil that they did to you, and and force them or push them to uh, to confess uh, how terrible a thing it was. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. The opposite, the opposite. I say. As a cleared air. Now, is a mita kenegamita. It's a velo yachlo dabro lo They can never talk to him. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't talk to them. 
Those who don't talk to him honestly in the Parsha, as we all know the story. Instead, by accusing him of being spies and all the rest of it, he puts them through a, a shrek, a scare. He arrests one brother, he wants to know the other brother. Oh, you know the story. Basically, he's toying with them. And in the midst of... So first of all, it's, so to speak, the person who was molested now gets to torture the molester. It's not exactly the same, but you get what I'm saying. Now, I want to repeat. He doesn't physically torture them, but I would say he kind of mentally does. That's very interesting, because his pain was a mental pain. In the end of the day, they didn't beat him up. They could have. When they grabbed him and tore the coat and all the rest of it, you know, Yehuda and Shimon could have said, I guess, just just leave him with us for five minutes, and then whatever's left we'll throw in the, in, into the pit. Right? They could have done that. That's how they do it in a lot of places. You know, leave a guy alone with Yehuda for, I'd say, 30 seconds. You <laughs> left to a pulp. But that's not what happened. They seized him and threw him in a pit. Okay? So they didn't actually physically beat him up. So Yosef in, in Egypt doesn't actually physically beat him up. They're always afraid that he might. Well, Yosef was also afraid, I'm sure, when the brothers grabbed him, that they might. So he says, Mama Shemita, can I get me? That's a very, very fascinating story from this angle. And he gets to um, uh, torture them psychologically, which, if you think about it, is kind of like the only therapy possible that I can imagine for a victim. It was done to me, and now I do it to you. You see? Now you say it's not right. You should forgive and forget all the rest of it. That's baloney. <laughs> That's PC. That's not, that's not how people are. I'm talking about if you, I think, and again, I'm not a psychologist. I can only tell you the way I understand it. He says, I think the only way out of it to get, to get um, uh, what's the right word? Uh, uh, closure is, um, is it's got to be tit for tat. Kabolo kachpolto. Kabolo kachpolto. You did it to me, I did it to you. And you acknowledge that it wasn't simply you did it to me, I did it to you. But you acknowledge by the time the story's over, I had the right to do it to you. You deserve this. You're bakumt. And uh, it's very interesting because, as we know, he plays with them, he tortures them, he arrests Shimon, he sends them back, they come back and forth, they bow down to him, they scraped him, they went even a little bit too far, they said, Avdu Chavinu, and as often happens when you're in revenge situations, you, you, you go too far. Because he should have said, don't say Avdu Chavinu, that's what the Chazal say. But, you know, once you're in for the game, you're in for the game. So he couldn't say, I guess he felt he couldn't say that. But the bottom line is that by the time the Parsha is over, when they arrest uh, Binyamin on charges of stealing the Gavias, again, I know you wouldn't know all the whole story. I mean, the brothers are freaking, okay? And Yehuda particularly, because So, you know, Yehuda is mamish in anguish. Good. Good. So now you know what it's like. <laughs> you understand? Now you appreciate the gravity of what you did to me. And I'm sure, by the way, that that's true. And I'm sure until that moment it wasn't true. Even though they say Yehuda is sackcloth and this and that and the other. But, you know, unless you feel it yourself, and you and not only feel it, but you feel it that it's Ashkacha, Pratis, Mida, Keneg, and Mida, ain't the same thing. So, in real life, unfortunately, the person who is victimized by, you know, the police, the rapist, the this, that, and the other, there's a hundred ways of, of, of being victimized, don't get the Hashkacha Pratis that the perpetrator falls into their clutches 
and they're able to do this sort of thing over here. And I repeat, Yosef never does lay a finger on them, but they didn't know that, and they were scared, and as you know, it doesn't get better than that. By the time the story's over, Yehuda, as you all know from the Parsha, says, we will be your slaves now. Right? Well, okay. Now, they didn't know that Yosef was going to say, no, no, I don't want you as slaves. They had to figure that for some reason Hashem is punishing them. They were from guys, so they said, you know, Hashem emanachnu, which is all part of the therapeutic process. Notice, Yosef, they don't know that Yosef is listening because they didn't know he knew Hebrew, as we all know the story. But they hear the brothers say to confession, we did a terrible thing. Okay? I mean, they don't simply say, we went a little bit too far in throwing him in a pit. We went a little bit too far in getting in his brother. After all, he was a Rodev and this, and that, and the other. They don't talk like that. They say, we were actually jerks. Hashem v'anachnu, alochinu, Hashirainu b'tzaras nafsho. Right? Isn't that the law shana heaven in front of me? Hashirainu b'tzaras nafsho. Listen to those words. We saw his anguish, and it didn't make us change. Hear that? Hashirainu b'tzaras nafsho. I mean, it should have been, if they wanted to really, you know, uh, shake up Yosef, they give him a scare and then and then let him go and say, now don't go tell on us again. Something like that, you know? But uh, what's the lesson over here? Let me pull out a chumash. Uh, uh, we saw his anguish, the mental anguish that we we're doing to him, and, and, and it didn't affect us, right? He begged us not to do so. So again, in point of actual feeling, you know, uh, they never harmed Yosef other than throwing him in a pit. Let's go with the Ramban for a second. And they didn't know the pit was full of snakes and then selling him as a slave to Egypt. So that's bad, of course. I'm not obviously making light of that, but I'm simply saying that, you know, uh, they didn't go beat him up. Uh, if you go like Chazal, Again, the Ashkacha Pratis arranged it that Yosef should be in a, in, a, in a spice caravan so it shouldn't be smelling because the Arabs and the, and, and the camels, all the rest of it, woo! You know, but whatever the case is, uh, you know, we, we here it is. So we saw him in anguish and we heard him screaming. No, it's the screams. And Velo Shaman, Al Kim this is the reason. So notice they they said the misfortune that's striking us is not because of some outside. See, see another person would say like this, me, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know, I have no idea why is Hashem doing this to me. It must be that these are Yusur and Shalava. I'm so perfect. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's a kasha like Job. Me, a perfect tzaddik. Why is this misfortune happening to me? But they didn't talk like that. They said, no, we, we're ashamed. We are Rishon. Well, see, the victim has to hear that. But in order for that to happen, you have to turn the world upside down. You have to introduce a famine. You have to make Joseph the viceroy of Egypt an absolute dictator of the country under Pharaoh. You have to make him that now he's dressed like dressed up like an Egyptian, so you can't tell Haim Loki Ruhu. You got to bring the, the famine to hit Canaan. The brothers have to go down. You know, the, uh, the, all the, the, the chess pieces have to be in the right place for the story to take place. And the Rabbani Shalom did it. You know, we just had the um, 24th of Kislev 
which I spoke about in, the, in, in previous years, I remember. And it's the, the Chagai, the Novi says, Hafakti, how's it go? Oh, one second. Here it is. Think about this prophecy in connection with the Joseph story. I need this Hashem talking. I'm willing to turn the whole world upside down, in this case for the Klal in the case of Rashis for, for Yosef. In order to bring this victim uh, the closure that he needs, I'm willing to turn the whole Middle East upside down. And many will starve to death, and many will suffer, and this and that and the other, in order that by the time the story's over, you know, things look different. Because when they say, it came full circle. You sold me for a slave, and now you, you are a confess that you deserve to be slaves. Because uh, they see, because they see, they're from enough the oh, the, the Shvatim, they say Hashem is doing this. They don't know exactly why, but Hashem is doing this, and uh, and what you know, Yosef picks up the ball and says, "I don't want you as slaves, not all of you anyway." Uh, but when they, I, I mean, I'm sure when they said ready to be slaves, they saw themselves as slaves. One minute later, they ain't going back to Yaakov, and he's going to have the same anguish that they caused him in the first place with Yosef. And they're going to suffer as slaves in Egypt. And be made a connected men that teach for Tad, and so on and so forth. Now you see the interesting things like this. Once you acknowledge that you're an, a, a, an Avarion, then uh, the mission accomplished. Then you don't actually have to go through the suffering. <laughs> right? Once they acknowledge that they were all wrong, then Hashem made the denouement pretty quickly. That in the beginning of Aigash, Yosef and Yehuda have the confrontation, and then he says, Ani Yosef Vodavichai. So in this week's parsha, we see the, um, to my mind anyway, the psychological healing of Yosef. It took Ibrakarnish of the whole world, and the international economy had to be completely displaced. But Hashem was willing to do it. Right? Go tell a guy the reason Egypt and Africa and, and Canaan is all starving is because, you know, there was a guy, Yosef, who was mistreated, and we wanted. We want to restore, their bonus wants to restore Shalom and the family, and there's only one possible way to restore Shalom and the family, and that is there has to be psychological healing. Not burying it, because if it was buried, it will pop up later. You understand? It has to be, you know, that's why it's part of the Chumash, this whole story. There was a, uh, a, a Pirud, but eventually it was healed. Now, maybe at some level, you know, when you get to Vayichi, they said Yosef will kill us now. I mean, they, you know, they weren't sure. But the but the bottom, bottom, bottom line is that the family relations are restored. You understand? I mean, you can't pretend that what happened didn't happen. So that is true. But the bottom, bottom line is that, you know, uh, proper relations were restored. And uh, you could go and have the 12 Shotim. And uh, they acted as one unit. And they all went through the same slavery later on. And they all made it back to Eretz Yisrael, Tommy Yeshua. And they were all there from Aten Torah. So, how did the descendants of all these people look back? They said, well, there was a Yosef, and he was uh, mistreated by the brothers. 
But on the other hand, he got his revenge back. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was injured. They put him through junk. He put them through junk. And now it's over. You know what I'm saying? So basically, you punched me in the nose. I punched you and busted my nose. I punched you in the nose and busted your nose. And maybe a little bit more. And now we're even. It's like a Geisha movie, you know? Now we're even. So it's, 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 uh, so Yosef is a rare case of someone who was molested or, uh, mistreated, not sure exactly what the right word is, uh, mistreated, who got to see the full justice done on the perpetrators. And the full justice was not that they're punished or killed, but that circumstances brought them to acknowledge themselves that what they had done had been very, very wrong. That usually doesn't happen. When you have a molester, a rapist, a, a, a perpetrator of various kinds, you know, they, they actually are, are usually pathological. They, they don't feel they did anything wrong. That is not the case here at all. Anyway, I think that's a fascinating aspect of the uh, of the uh, parsha. And again, I want to thank uh, the sponsors. Oops. Yeah, I'm and wish you all a good Hanukkah and a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.